despite the fact that, you know, our teams are not always going to championships or even the, you know, <laughs> second round of the playoffs, there's there's a lot of great fan experiences out here for fans of just about any sport. Welcome to the Trip Hacks DC podcast. Discover the best tips, tricks, and travel hacks for your visit to the nation's capital. And now, here's Rob and this episode's special guest. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Trip Hacks DC podcast. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or see the show notes from this episode, you can do that over at triphacksdc.com slash podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Trip Hacks DC Tours. TripHex DC tours run year-round, so no matter what time of year you're planning your trip, we can help show you around. You can learn more over at TripHexDC.com slash tours. Today, I am joined by Dave Murphy, and we are going to discuss Washington, D.C. pro sports and give our best tips that you can use when you come and visit and go to a game. Dave is an Army veteran, retired DOD geographic analyst, coach of a championship youth football team, a contributor at Greater Greater Washington, and a lifelong D.C. sports fan. So, Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rob. I didn't come here to discuss my uh, championship Rosedale Tigers football team who have been to the championship game the last three years winning two of them, but I'm glad you brought it up. Of course, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> perhaps your most important qualification for being uh, on a, an episode about sports, but we're going to talk <laughs> about you know some of the teams that are here, some of the venues that people might visit when they come for a trip, but you, know, you said, uh, you told me earlier that you're a lifelong DC sports fan, and I, I guess that's maybe for better or worse, and maybe folks who uh, aren't too familiar familiar with the sports scene around here. DC has had a bit of a reputation for, I guess, being cursed and not having teams that could get past a certain round in the playoffs. And that was all broken last year. That was broken last year by the Washington Capitals in their first Stanley Cup championship. The city went nuts for about a solid week. It was great. Uh, But despite the fact that, you know, our teams are not always going to championships or even the, you know, (laughs) second round of the playoffs, there's, there's a lot of great fan experiences out here for fans of just about any sport. Uh, Let's jump into, you know, the sport that I think is probably the one that most people are going to be interested in attending when they come, and that's baseball. And that's because there's a lot of games, there's 81 home games, and they happen mostly in the spring and summer, which is when uh, tourism is highest here in D.C. So what can you tell us about going to a baseball game and, you know, how how would you prepare for a a trip to Nationals Park. Well, I'd, I'd also mention that one of the reasons it's one of the most popular sports to attend in Washington, D.C. is because the fan experience is phenomenal. The food in the stadium is great. There's very good sight lines, very casual, laid-back atmosphere. Anyone can go to a Nats game. Getting there, however, there it's one of the few sports venues in the country that makes it as easy to ride a bicycle to the game. They have the bike valet. Uh, they have so – basically, you can go there and leave your bike – as you would with a car in valet parking. They have Capital Bike Share. If you are into the bike share, they have a, a couple of uh, stations around there. They ha- I believe they have an Uber drop-off point. That's I would recommend if you're going that route, don't go all the way to the stadium, get dropped off at one of the bars around there. Like I'll usually get dropped off at uh, Scarlet Oak and walk the last three miles after I have a beer. <laughs> three blocks, I think you mean. Yeah. Maybe it's three miles after a oh, beer. Oh, my God. Yeah, three blocks. No, it's, it's definitely under a mile. <laughs> Yes. Uh, and then, of course, there is Navy Yard Metro Station on the Green Line, which when it was built, I think they uh, anticipated that some large venue was going to be placed down there. They have the 
the on, on the stadium exit, they have uh, gates set up to allow lots of people to be passing through there. My biggest tip, and this goes for anywhere you're taking the metro to a sporting event, is fill up your card with your fare to get there and fare to get home. You don't want to be buying your fare after a game with those lines at the uh, kiosks. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, you're going to be leaving the game with potentially tens of thousands of other people, and you want to make sure that you're not going to have to stand in line to put money on your card. The bike valet is uh, amazing. I've used that many times. The the big capital bike share station over there uh, is really great as well. So lots of options for getting to the park. So once you've gotten there, you, you've got your ticket, you bought it online, and now you're going up to the gate. So what, what can folks expect when they walk inside the gate? Well, as of this year, they are not allowing backpacks into the stadium anymore. Uh, you can bring a purse uh, as long as it's under a certain size, I believe it's 14 by 14 by 6, same as the some of the other places around here. If you are not bringing a bag, they have a separate bag line at the main entrance. I'm sorry, se- separate bag, no bag line at the main entrance that is about 10 minutes faster getting in the stadium. And the reason for that is because if you do have a purse or a small bag, they have to, they have to they make you open it. it up and they go through it and make sure you don't have any. I think they're mostly looking for outside alcohol probably. But yeah. anything that they don't uh, allow inside, they're checking to make sure you don't have. Right. And I, I think the main reason this, – this is pretty uh, a general rule at all the major sports venues around here. You can't be bringing a backpack in. And I think it's purely to speed up the process of getting everybody into these venues. I, I noticed a big difference at Redskins games a few years ago. And I, I think I noticed the difference this year at Nationals games as well. It, it's unfortunate that you can't bring a backpack in. But uh, it's you know it's not the end of the world. You can still uh, bring your own food and uh, – Water bottles, as long as they are unopened, like a, like an unopened bottle of Dasani or something, you'd be allowed to bring in. I wouldn't. I don't believe you can bring in like a water bottle from home. That's that's one of the perks that a lot of places don't uh, don't do. I think you're you made a really great point. I want to make sure everybody is aware that you can bring in your own food, and yes. that means that you can go to any of the restaurants on First Street, which is right outside the gate, and you can pick up something to go and bring it right inside. Uh, my favorite used to be a sandwich place that unfortunately has closed. Uh, the only place I don't really recommend is Chipotle just because it's a little messy. and uh, That's a little cumbersome to bring into the stadium. But you are technically allowed <laughs> to bring in Chipotle if you really want to get a burrito and bring it in. So if you're you know on a budget or you're you know not into the ballpark food, which you did say is quite good, we'll talk about some of your favorites, but that is an option as well. Well, my my personal plan when I go is uh, I like to show up and buy those real cheap $5 tickets for like a 1 o'clock weekday game. And then they have uh, in center field, they have a little restaurant and you can just sit out there with, you know, it doesn't matter where your tickets are. You go in, say party of two. And uh, the food is not, I mean, it's stadium prices, but it's relatively reasonable for stadium prices. The food's very good at that restaurant. And you're basically – you're sitting out in the sun in center field watching a baseball game for maybe a $10 cover charge. It's fantastic. Uh, the other food they have in there, uh, they, they have a Shake Shack, which I highly recommend if you like burgers. The DC favorite, uh, Ben's Chili Bowl. You can get a chili half smoke. They but- have they they have a rotating assortment of, of local restaurants. I know there were a few last <clears throat> year that have since closed and they replaced them with, with other things. Uh, so there's always something good that you can get inside. So – this is not the days of old when the only thing you could get was a hot dog and a you know not very appetizing slice of pizza. You can definitely get some good stuff, and you know it's it's ballpark prices, but that's kind of what you expect nowadays, no matter what ballpark you go to. And it's you know it's kind of a taste of DC while you're in there. That Nats Park in particular, I think, stands head and shoulders above not only uh, other venues in DC but a lot of other MLB ballparks with the uh, 
the variety and quality of the food that they offer. So Nationals Park is, at least at the time we're recording this, 11 years old. It opened in 2008. So it's it's still pretty young, but it's not, you know, brand new. It doesn't have that new ballpark smell anymore. Uh, but there's they're always improving it, which I think is one of the things that I like about it. And uh, every year, I every season I go and there's something new, there's something different that you can check out. Well, and this, you know, one of, one of the benefits to having a baseball stadium so close to downtown, I think we're about a mile south of the capital, there's plenty to do. It's it's on a river – it's sandwiched right between two riverfront parks. There's all kinds of bars and restaurants that have opened up slowly but surely, uh, you know, turning the community into a, a lot more vibrant. You know, you're not just coming down for the baseball game anymore. So even, you know, game's three hours long. I can go down and make a day of it on a nice sunny Saturday. Uh, all kinds of parks and amenities nearby. Go out onto the river and a kayak. There's a little water park for kids. Yeah, that a I know water park for kids right very there. Very popular. So I know that this might be different from the experience that folks get if they're from a different part of the country where your ballpark experience is you drive a long distance, you park your car, pay a bunch of money to do that, and you immediately go into the ballpark and then you immediately come back to your car and drive home. This is This is more of a neighborhood type ballpark and more of a neighborhood experience when you go. Yes, and you can drive to Nationals Park. I would recommend it. Uh, the traffic coming in and out, it's better than you'd expect, but it's still pretty rough uh, getting in and out. Yeah, the nice thing is that most people don't drive so because uh, they're taking the metro or a mm-hmm. bike or something. So if you do choose to do it, the nice thing is that you don't have to battle nearly as much traffic as if you were going to, I don't know, a Rangers game or someplace, uh, a Braves game where everybody is – literally everybody is driving to the game. Yeah, the, the only downside is that – once you get off the freeway, there's some neighborhood streets and that freeway is going to have uh, traffic on it no matter what time of day or what time of week. Yeah, not to mention that a lot, all the weeknight games start at 7.05, which is still the tail end of rush hour. So you're battling everybody who's trying to get home from work as well. Mm-hmm. And, and you got a lot of companies that because those games start at 7 and because the stadium's so close to downtown, they'll they'll turn it into a happy hour type of situation. A lot of, uh, a lot of uh, companies will have events at the stadium on some of those uh, – Weeknight games. Oh, yeah. Their salespeople do a really good job of selling to those companies. So I've seen plenty of those. Let's switch over to indoor sports next. Uh, So what you called the Verizon Center is what many locals still call what is now officially the Capital One Arena. They got a new corporate sponsor. So once they get the next corporate sponsor, you'll start calling them the Capital One Arena. I think that's how that works, if I understand it correctly. That's correct. Uh, Originally, it was the MCI Center, and we would call it the phone booth. And then when uh, Verizon took over, that was great. We could still call it the phone booth. So I, I, I'm constantly correcting myself and remembering that it's now the Capital One Center. It is the home to the uh, Washington Capitals, the Washington Wizards of the NBA, and uh, the Washington Valor of the Arena Football League. All, all very good fan experiences, a lot of fun. Those Valor games are nice and cheap. Wizards games are, uh, you know, even if you're not a big Wizards fan, if you're coming from out of town, those tickets are usually pretty, pretty available to come see your favorite, you know, Steph Curry's in town or something like that. And if you are a Wizards fan, uh, Godspeed. I'm a Wizards fan. It's not, uh, <laughs> it's not an easy position to be in, but those games are a lot of fun. Uh, getting there is relatively simple because it is on, uh, if you're taking Metro, it's at Gallery Place Chinatown. And just like with Nats Park, there's uh, plenty to do around there. The bike situation, uh, I, I think that's more of a an event that you would walk to rather than take a bike to. There, there are some capital bike share stations around there, but they tend to fill up very quick. There's a lot of prominent bus routes. If, if you are comfortable na- navigating DC's bus system, they have an excellent system. 
I think for folks who are staying in a hotel downtown, walking is actually a great way to yeah. get there because many hotels uh, are not that far away. I think that's the cool thing about downtown D.C. is that stuff's fairly close together. You don't have to hop on the metro to go one stop or two stops. You could walk that distance if you're physically able. And uh, the Capital One Arena – Formerly Verizon Center is right in the middle of all the action, so it's very easy to get to on foot. Remarkably walkable city in Washington, D.C. It's very easy to get around on foot. If you're up for walking four miles, you can probably cover the entire city. So if, if you are down for a little walk, uh, that would probably be the best way to get to the Verizon Center, if not the metro. So what's the seating situation like inside uh, the arena? I know, you know most arenas, are unlike ballparks, don't have a uh, big diversity of you know, how it's laid out or how it's set up. But sometimes, depending on how it's built, you know, sitting in the upper level can be a, a real nosebleed experience. So do you get that experience when you go to the Capital One Arena? Capital One Arena tends to be a little uh, steep at the top. If you're acrophobic, I wouldn't recommend sitting in the upper upper bowl. But uh, the views from anywhere in the arena are fantastic. I, I attend a lot of Capitals games and also I forgot to mention the Georgetown Hoyas play their home games at the Capital One Arena. There really isn't a bad seat in the house as far as seeing the court or the rink, uh, depending on who's playing there or the field. If uh, you're at a Valor game, they are fantastic. Uh, I, I find them to be very good uh, views from just about anywhere in the arena, which is, you know, pretty. I'd say that about most of our venues uh, in DC, but I, I think that one in particular, when you're when you're watching a hockey, I almost prefer to be in the upper s- section for hockey because. Uh, you know, you get you can see a little more of the rink. There isn't as you, the puck is almost always in view. But again, if you're acrophobic, I would avoid the <laughs> the upper deck. Those are some pretty steep inclines on on the upper deck. That's good to know. Uh, it, it's interesting you said that about the hockey game. I am not a lifelong hockey fan, so I've I've only recently started watching and going to games, and so for me, it's a little challenging to follow the puck into figure out what's going on. So I, I agree. I actually do like sitting a little bit farther away. I feel like if I was right up against the glass, I would kind of struggle to figure out what was going on uh, for a decent amount of the game. So if you're a newbie to hockey and, you know, I know a lot of our country still doesn't have a team yet. So maybe this is their first experience um, and maybe that would be a good option for you. And it is, a, especially at Capitals games, it is a fantastic fan experience. Capitals fans love it. It's They have their own chance and Various celebrations that they're going through throughout the game. It's it's a lot of fun to watch a Caps game. And of course, as our only recent championship team, there's uh, a lot of excitement about what the future holds as yes. well. Now, you've mentioned a team called the Valor a, a few times already, and I think most people listening to the podcast will probably have never heard of the Valor. So, who who are these guys, and and what do they do? <laughs> the Washington Valor is an arena football team. So it's basically indoor football played on a 50-yard field, high-scoring, action-packed football. The Arena Football League was the original league. I think there's a larger league floating around called the Indoor Football League. But the Arena Football League is very well organized and it's been around a little bit longer, even though there's only, I think, six teams in the league right now. The Valor are, uh, by the way, a recent championship as well. They won last year after going 2-10 and 10 in the regular season. Uh, so very it's, interesting. It's an interesting sport. It's very family-friendly. It's very inexpensive. I, I've been to I've been to two games so far, uh, one each season. Uh, they're a lot of fun. I recommend them. And so the games are or the season for Arena Football League is uh, roughly April through July. So it's kind of right in the peak of our tourist season when yes. the most people are here visiting. If you have never seen an indoor football game before, you might just go out of pure curiosity or. 
you know, the fact that you can get your whole family there and spend very little money versus going to a Capitals game where you may spend a small fortune to take your whole family there. And downtown uh, D.C. down there, it's, it's in the Chinatown area. Uh, there are more restaurants than you can shake a stick at in, in the surrounding blocks. Uh, some of them are family friendly. There's a Fuddruckers across the street. Some of them are more uh, – Young adult oriented, like uh, what's that one rocket bar that has all the uh, mm-hmm. ski ball and everything downstairs? And then there's you know a couple of uh, just sit down regular old bars. Clyde's one of my favorites right there. Uh, Vapiano's nice little Italian spot right there. There, there there's just I, I don't know. There's scores of restaurants in Chinatown. No shortage of options, that's for sure. And no matter what your party is, there's going to be something for you there. You cannot bring your own food into the game. And I, I would I would mention that the the food at the Verizon I'm sorry at the Capital One Center is very good, but it I wouldn't put it up there with Nationals Park, but it is you know you can get a a burger and I think they have like a Chick Fil A inside and a little Domino's. It's not not the local fare that you're going to get at Nats Park, but you know pretty solid food options. I would agree with that assessment. I uh, think it's pretty standard arena cafeteria style fast food. Nothing out of, not nothing. Special like at a Nationals game, but nothing you know you couldn't eat either. I've never had a problem if I got hungry there finding something palatable to munch on. So let's uh, talk about the sport that people are probably the least likely to attend when they visit, and that is National Football League football. And I say that you're probably least likely to attend for the simple reason that there are the fewest number of games and that the games happen during a time of year when the least number of people are here visiting. But Say someone is coming in and they just have always wanted to see a football game here and they're willing to to pay the price to do it. So how are they going to get out to the field and what should they expect when they get there? Well, Rob, I want to caution you that I'm a lifelong – I've always put football first. I love the Redskins. But that is one of – it is one of the worst fan experiences uh, around uh, at FedEx Field. Uh, it's It's friendly if you're – if you're a fan from out of town, like if you're a Colts fan or a Bears fan or something, it's 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 not the most hostile stadium for you to come to uh, because Redskins attendance is uh, not the best. So it's it's pretty friendly to out of towners because uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, other of that type of right. fan in the- there. Will be a lot of of whatever team you're rooting for in that stadium. Uh, getting there is a little bit trickier. It's out in the suburbs. It's in Landover. Which is in Maryland. Uh, in Maryland, yes. And it's uh, – there's a state – it's the second to last station on the blue line. Morgan Boulevard is where you would get off to uh, attend a Redskins game. And then it's about three-quarters of a mile to the stadium grounds. Uh, you're walking along Morgan Boulevard. It's sort of just you know five-foot sidewalk where – Tens of thousands of people are marching down. So it's a big suburban street, something yeah, you expect in any suburb, a small sidewalk and big road. It's 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 not a pleasant walk, especially if your team loses and you're walking back to the metro station. But it is uh, – it's it's definitely doable. Otherwise, pretty much the only way to get there is to drive. Now, I would recommend rideshare if you can. You can take they, – they have a specific spot in – I think it's between – the D and E lots where they'll drop you off. And it's relatively close to the stadium, which is pretty good for a site. Like the FedEx field is a stadium surrounded by a, like a square mile of parking. It's enormous. Uh, but the, the Uber drop off spot is close enough that, you know, you're not hiking across a sea of tailgaters. Uh, otherwise driving, you're talking minimum $30 to park anywhere. And that's uh, a significantly longer hike 
than it would be from from the Uber drop off. Probably almost as long as the walk from the metro station in some cases. Traffic is atrocious. Now, obviously, anytime you have 70,000 people gathering in one spot, getting out of there is going to be a little hectic because everybody's leaving at the same time. But uh, this this is particularly bad traffic that I've sat in numerous times. We used to tailgate after the games and let everybody else leave uh, <laughs> to avoid sitting in the traffic, uh, getting out of the beltway and whatnot after the games. So quality of the football team aside, there are other events that occasionally happen here. I know there was a a big international soccer game that happened at FedEx Field a few years ago. When Coldplay came to the U.S., they played at FedEx Field and that was sold out. So is it is it always – is it the venue itself that makes it such a not-so-great experience? For Redskins game, I'd argue it's the way that – the stadium is run by the organization. But it's it's also, I mean, there's a lot of obstructed view seats in the stadium. The food is is downright awful. I mean, it's been written up in the post in the city paper for, you know, expired skunky beers. Uh, ex- the the expired airline peanuts they were selling at one point was my personal favorite. I don't remember the peanuts, but I remember the expired beer because it's not just that it's expired, but it's also that it's the most expensive beer of any of the. Oh yeah, it's it's like eleven bucks for a Bud Light in that stadium. It's it's the, the field itself is also pretty terrible, in, including you, you know it doesn't make an exception for soccer fans if. You're running around out there. There's there's a high likelihood of a knee injury or an ankle injury. Ankle injury. I've seen plenty of them throughout the seasons with uh, as a Redskins fan, and uh, I, I don't know how many have occurred during soccer matches, but I wouldn't be surprised to hear of it happening. So it sounds like that's uh, kind of a bummer. Maybe if you're a football fan and you want to follow your team around, maybe see if they're playing the Ravens or another team that might right. have a little bit better experience than you right. get over here. Uh, I know there are a lot of uh, different venues across the country that do tend to have a little bit more positive uh, experience. But we've got a bunch of other sports to to talk about, so I want to mm-hmm. make sure that we, we cover those as well. Uh, a team that used to play at the Capital One Arena, they don't anymore, uh, the Washington Mystics. Yes. So uh, they don't play there anymore. Where do they play now? They play at the St. Elizabeth's Arena in southeast Washington, D.C., near the St. Elizabeth's campus. Uh, it's a newer venue. I haven't personally been there myself, but I know it's particularly close to the Congress Heights Metro Station. Uh, it seats about, I think, I want to say about 5,000 people. Uh, so I know it's a smaller arena. It's also the Wizards practice facility and the home of the Wizards G League team, the DC Go-Go. So if you don't want to shell out the big NBA bucks, you can see our G League team. Um, relatively easy to get to. It's just a couple stops past Navy Yard. I think two stops past Navy Yard. Yeah. Sounds about right. I haven't been there yet either because it, it just opened and the Mystics actually, uh, I, I believe it was the same year that the Capitals won or maybe the, the year before. They made it to the, the finals and they lost in the finals to Seattle. So that was the year when we thought, well, maybe we're, maybe we're going to do it. Maybe we're going to get one. And then, uh, they, they fell, uh, just short. But, um, I have heard it described that the, the WNBA has the best fans in, in all of pro sports. And that's because there it. are no bandwagon fans. The people who are there, they are there to see the team and to support the team and they really are, are into it. Yeah, and, and the Mystics, despite uh, – you know, historically they haven't been very good up until recently. Um, but historically they also have a very high 
attendance record. Uh, I know there was some complaints about them moving to this particular venue because they were getting, I think, about 6,500 people to attend their games at the Verizon Center. And now they're in a facility that can't accommodate that many people. But as everything I've heard about everyone attending Mystics games down there, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. It's drivable if if you're you know you have a car while you're down here, but it's also very easy access to metro. Uh, the other side of the river tends to be a little hilly, so I wouldn't recommend trying to bike there. Or I would say very hilly. Yes, very hilly. You're, uh, you're not doing it justice. It's very hilly uh, over there. I I prefer not to bike over there. Walking. Uh, Again, it's not the simple grid that you have over here. It's a little more circuitous. So you, if you know where you're going, maybe you can walk there from somewhere. But it's it's kind of a hike if you're staying downtown. Yeah, and you know the thing about uh, playing in a big arena like the Capital One Arena is that when you have 6,500 people, that's a that's a good amount of people. But it, it still looks like the place is mostly empty because yes. they can. Uh, that's only a fraction of what they can hold. So now when they play at a smaller venue, uh, it looks like there's a lot more people there. It looks like uh, everybody's into it. So there's pros and cons. Uh, of both, I suppose. One of the reasons that they uh, have gotten good and they're uh, very popular now is they have a star player, Elena Deladon, who uh, is very well known in the WNBA. And uh, an interesting fact I learned about her recently is that she is the best free throw shooter in basketball, hmm. uh, not just NBA, not just WNBA, but also NBA. Wow. So, um, you know, it's it's an interesting thing to think about. A free throw is, in theory, the easiest shot in all of basketball. And yet, uh, you know, even the best players often miss, you know, a, a decent number of them. And and women's basketball is a, a pretty solid history around here. The University of Maryland's team out in College Park, uh, again, also on the green line on the other end, their basketball program has been phenomenally uh, successful over the last couple decades. So this is if, – if you're here to see women's basketball, this is a good town for that. OK. So there's another one that we definitely need to get to because this is also a summer sport. So one that people are, are likely to be able to see when they come and that is Major League Soccer. DC United is yes. the name of our team and they just got a brand new facility. So what can you tell us about it? So this is the second year that Audi Field has been opened. I've only been to one game there. I went to the season opener this year and it was in the pouring rain and I have not had that much fun at a sporting event probably since the Capitals won. <laughs> and that was cold rain just in case. It, yeah, uh, this anyone was March. Was it was it was very unpleasant weather, but uh I've been you know, I used to go see them a lot when they played at RFK. I live right around there. More fun than you're gonna have at most sporting events. I mean, this is when you think soccer, you think people singing, waving flags, beating drums. I don't know how prevalent that is elsewhere in the MLS, but DC United has a huge fan base uh, relative to a lot of other MLS teams. And that's because they were one of the original teams. They were one of the founding teams, if I remember correctly. They were one of the original teams. I think they're one of maybe six of the original teams. It's still in the league today. They also went out of their way to attract uh, a lot of the uh, immigrant communities around here. So there was a lot of uh, Salvadorians, Guatemalans, Hondurans. That's uh, they, they set up the I don't know if it's still around, but they used to have a support group called Barra Brava. That was mostly the uh, Central Americans from D.C. And they they are extremely passionate fans. I used to be a member of Barra Brava. It's it's now I can't remember the Screaming Eagles is the other big one. They're still around. I know that you go into that game. They're going to have flags waving in the supporter section. They're going to be singing throughout the game. It's it's a blast. I don't even know thing too about soccer. I go to those games because they're fun and it gives me a chance to root for a relatively successful DC sports team and you know have uh, Audi Field is a great fan experience. The there there aren't as many food options as there are at say Nats Park, but they're 
uh, similar in nature. There's a lot of like local fare and uh, despite the uh, occasional four-letter words and some of the chants and cheers, it's a very friendly environment. You know, bring the kids out if, you know, <laughs> you're okay with them hearing a, an F-bomb here and there. But uh, other than that, it's an extremely family-friendly environment and uh, it's it's getting to be pretty good soccer. It's not the Premier League, but uh, it's, you know, the, probably the best soccer you're going to find in the United States. But anywhere. speaking of the Premier League, one of the reasons why people are excited about United is because they have a former English player, Wayne Rooney. Yes. And he just joined the team. I think it was last season was his first season with uh, United. And so people who have been following that league finally have someone who they can see in person and, and really experience. And and the United are they, – they and they've had a couple bad seasons. But historically, they've been extremely successful. They have four MLS championships. Most of those were – Early on, when the league was twelve teams or so, but you know they 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 they're one of the few teams in this relatively new league that can say they really have a legacy and a fan base that uh, lives up to that legacy. They're a lot of fun. I love DC United. Yeah, a lot, that, a lot of fun. And that's a great point because the Nationals, which I uh, am a big fan of and go to many games, they're a relatively new team. They were the Expos uh, before they were the Nationals, and so. You, when you grew up in the area, you, I guess, had to be an Orioles fan. Is that – or just you just didn't go to baseball games? I, what was the situation? I, I – I, my dad was a Red Sox fan. My mom was a Yankees fan and the Orioles were the closest team. So those were the ones I rooted for growing up. And the second I had an opportunity to jump on a single team, I took it. The, the, the Nats – the Nats don't have a long history in Washington, D.C. But baseball has an extremely long history – in this city, uh, but obviously the senators, uh, two different iterations of the senators played here. There was very early on, I think it was like the turn of the century, there was a baseball team here called the Nationals. It's always been a very DC thing to do is go out and go to a, a baseball game. And historically, those teams have not been very good. They used to say um, Washington was uh, first in war, first in peace, last in the American League. Was the uh, what they used to say during uh, the '40s and '50s? Despite our lack of success, I'd say all around DC is is a pretty solid sports town for just about any sport you're looking at. I would agree with that assessment for sure. Uh, and also, a fun fact is that legend has it that the seventh inning stretch was invented in DC. Ah, I was not when aware. A former president and Supreme Court Justice William Howard Taft attended games. He was a large man, and he. Got a little stiff after sitting for a while and by the seventh inning, he needed to stand up. And of course, when the president is standing, you you know, would stand up as well. So I'm not sure if it's true. I might have to check with a historian on a podcast one of these days. But let's uh, talk about another sport that mm-hmm. isn't really a team sport per se, but that is a very fun one to go see and that is tennis. Yes, tennis. The Washington Castles, who are one of the most successful team tennis teams in the history of the league – play at George Washington University, which is near the Foggy Bottom Metro Station. At one point, they had both Williams sisters on the team. I'm not sure what their lineup is now. Unfortunately, I'm not a very big tennis fan. I've always heard very good things about attending those events. They're small. They're easy to get to. Um, If you're a tennis fan, go check them out. Yeah, so George Washington University is very easy to get to. It's downtown. It's right on the metro. There's a Foggy Bottom GW station. And so how does that work when I mean, I set it up by saying that tennis isn't a team sport and then you described our tennis team. So how does how does it work when you have a tennis team? So there it's it's a series of uh 
God, my tennis nomenclature isn't great. I believe matches. You know, you'll you'll have um, uh, a singles men's, a singles women's, a doubles men's, a doubles women's, a mixed. Um, and uh, I think there's a couple other matches thrown in there, and they'll they'll add up all the scores for all those different events, kind of like a swim meet, and uh, whoever comes out on top is the winner for the game. So. Uh, again, I've never attended any sort of tennis match. I know this is a thing. I've been trying to get out there for a few years, but my summers are generally pretty packed. Uh, they only play for a couple weeks. I want to say it's usually June, July, August. Uh, July, I think, is when most of the games are played. Those I, I know they can be as short as two weeks, those seasons. I think that sounds right, yeah. And we also have a big tennis tournament that's outdoors. Uh, the Castles, they're indoors, but outdoors is the City Open. Uh, formerly called the Washington Open, and that's a part of some of the big tennis circuits. So you can see some big-name star players uh, if you check that out as well. Mm-hmm. So a few other pro sports that uh, I want to run through just because they're here and they might be uh, something that you want to see. The first is called the DC Breeze Ultimate Frisbee Team. They are a member of the American Ultimate Disc League. Uh, they play in the summer. They play April through July. Uh, I don't really get out to a lot of their games uh, just because that's my busy time of year for doing tours. But uh, one of my former podcast guests, Brad, who talked about concerts on the podcast, he was a season ticket holder. Took his kids there all the time and very family-friendly event. Um, And if you have ever played Frisbee, which I have not, I imagine perhaps it's uh, an entertaining thing to watch a lot of running around and a lot of action. Yeah, and also doesn't Old Old Glory, the new rugby team, is also going to be playing at that stadium, uh, Cardinal Stadium, which is on Catholic University. I've attended Catholic University football games there. They're a Division Three team. Uh, that stadium's really nice, very laid back atmosphere, and it's right off the Brookland Metro Station on the Red Line, just a couple stops north of Union Station. A very friendly facility. I'm actually very excited to see this rugby uh, rugby team when they come out because rugby's got got a kind of a growing cachet here in the city these so, days. So rugby is, I, I guess, it's big in Europe, maybe. Um, just kind of like how soccer was when we started the MLS, and people questioned whether that was ever going to work, and it sure seems like it has. So. Rugby's big. I, a lot of former British colonies. So it's big in Australia. It's you know big in a couple. I think a couple of the Caribbean countries, South Africa. But Georgetown's always had a rugby team, and I think a couple of the other older institutions around here. And I think that's why it's always had sort of a rugby culture. And I know there was a lot of uh, amateur rugby leagues floating around the city for a while. So this this should be an interesting one when they start playing here next year in 2020. And then another sport that is st- uh, still to come is our future XFL team, team name yes. still TBD. Yes. Now, is this the same XFL that Vince McMahon was involved in like 20 years ago? Officially, it is a separate league, but for all intents and purposes, it is the exact same setup. They're they're going to be challenging the NFL with a spring league, and uh, they're popping teams into, you know, this isn't, you know, South Bend, Indiana and Racine, Wisconsin. This is, you know, Washington, D.C., New York. This is, these are, it's, they're, they're going out to be a, a major force in professional sports. We'll see if they are or not, but they are playing at Audi Field. And if you don't mind, Rob, I, I did want to talk about getting to Audi Field. I think we skipped Absolutely. out when we were talking about the United. Audi Field is, it's about halfway between the Navy Yard and Waterfront Metro stations. It's about a half mile from either one. And it's, it's on the other side of South Capitol Street from uh, Nationals Park. 
it's uh, it's a pretty simple walk. It's a safe walk. It's a friendly walk. Uh, but it is a little bit of a walk. If you're coming from the uh, uh, waterfront metro station, I think it's about a half a mile down 4th Street. And then you got to cut over a couple blocks. But it's a, a brand new stadium. It's, you know, they have uh, bike lanes. I'm not sure if they have a bike valet there. But I know they have plenty of uh, bike infrastructure in the vicinity. Yeah, it's, it's an easy one to get to. There's also a circulator bus is very popular yeah. among people who visit. There's a stop right outside. Well, not right outside. It's about a block or two off, but it's very easy to get to from there. Circulator bus also goes to Nationals Park, and through October of this year, it is free. So there's your there's a good way to get around town. Yeah, people have been asking me about the whole free thing. It, uh, visitors have absolutely loved free circulator. Uh, will, will not be free forever. The city council decided that they weren't going to – Keep it free. So yeah. uh, unfortunately, we're going to go back. But it's only a dollar to ride. It I mean, is. Only, yeah, it's only a dollar. It's the cheapest ride in town. That's a great value. So even if you pay a buck, it's still still worth getting around that way. Uh, so Dave, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, talking it's about sports, pleasure. promoting your championship youth <laughs> football team. And so people who want to find you and uh, you know keep up with what you're up to, where can they find you? Uh, I write on Greater Greater Washington, which is a basically a blog that dives into urban issues in Washington, D.C., uh, if you go onto that site and you search my name, you can find all my articles that I've written. I've been writing with them since 2008. So uh, I've got plenty there. Uh, there's an email if anybody needs to get in touch with me. I'm happy to answer any questions about getting around to different sporting events. I think it's Dave Murphy at ggwash.org. Rob, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure talking about sports with you. Thanks for listening to the Trip Hacks DC podcast. To see the show notes from today's episode, get additional resources for planning your trip, or to book a Trip Hacks DC guided tour, visit triphacksdc.com.